Hey John, welcome back to another working session, man. It looks like a little bit of a change of scenery on your end there, which is always good. I like to like to switch up the workspace sometimes too, especially when I'm feeling stuck. I don't know, how are things on your side of the world? Where are you at today? Yeah, things are good, man. I am up in Breckenridge. Daughter has the week off from school. And so I flew my dad out here from Virginia. He's hanging out with her this week. But my wife and I had a concert to go to last night. There's this like amphitheater venue called the Dillon Amphitheater, which is like right beside the, there's like a big reservoir up here. There's mountains in the background and the national played. So it was, it was cool. It was really, really, really nice. We got to drink a beer and sit on the lawn and just watch, watch them play. It was a fun show. So we came up a little bit early and we'll be here till the weekend, but yeah, just trying to, you know, where I, I think I mentioned in our last recording that being up here full-time for the summer didn't work out. So we headed back to Denver, but it's still nice to be able to escape and, you know, we'll go do some hiking tomorrow and such. So. Yeah, man, life is life is good. It's slowed down and yeah, but you know, still in true John style, a lot going on. What about what yeah. about your side? How's summer ending up for the, the Sowers family in Ohio? Yeah, it does kind of feel like, at least uh, from my seat, this is summer's last hurrah, right? Like we went up to my in-law's lake house last weekend. My wife had a girl's trip planned that got canceled because a couple of the people got COVID. So that's rescheduled. That's happening this weekend. So I get to do daddy daycare all weekend. And mm -hmm. then uh, in a couple of weeks, we're doing our beach trip, just our family beach trip, taking the kids over to Delaware. So it does kind of feel like get your fun in now because the weather's going to turn before you know it and it's going to be chilly and fall and not there's anything wrong with that. But like whatever you want out of this summer, like you better get it on the calendar now because that hourglass is, is running down. So lots of time outside yeah. enjoying the good weather while it's here for us. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, should we jump into the uh, to the icebreaker? Yeah. Do you want to kick it off? You brought this one. So maybe you have a little more context than I do, although I did prep a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Basically, this comes from this idea came up from there's a, a new podcast that I've been listening to called Under the Radar. And I, I came across the other day as I was on my on my walk. And basically, like, I mean, these guys, are, they're building products, they're building businesses, a couple of like solo bootstrapped, you know, founders, you know, really enjoyed what they had to say. So go, you know, go give them a listen. But they brought up something or they had a conversation that reminded me of other conversations I've heard in the in the bootstrapper space, which, you know, a lot of a lot of people on these a lot of bootstrappers, uh, especially like more product or dev oriented people, they they talk about marketing a lot. And then there's not. And it's always a like, well, I'm going to build this feature and then I'll do marketing. I'm going to go on this vacation and then I'll do marketing. It's always like I'm going to do marketing later, which is not the way that like I build businesses and, you know, or, or you build businesses as a, you know, as a marketer, right? As marketing oriented founders ourselves and professionals. And so really the question for me was, well, and, and just to, to give a little bit more context, there just seems to be a lot of like hand wringing around, like, what do I want my business to be? How big do I want it to get? Like, what kind of marketing should I do? How do I learn this thing? How do I learn that thing? And just like, it's a lot of like conjecture and not a whole lot of action. And I'm not, I'm not meaning this to like rip on these guys at all. I don't know them. I, I think they're building great businesses, but I, I just see this theme time and time again across these bootstrapper podcasts of, you know, just always talking about marketing, but never really actually taking like action on it. And so I guess it's like the question I wanted to bring was basically how much hand wringing is, is good, is healthy as we're thinking about building businesses, right? My take is it's good to have these conversations. If you're really like, honestly thinking about like, you know, how, how do I, I do marketing or just, or like, how do I build a product? How do I find a technical founder? Like that kind of thing. There just seems to be a lot of like hand wringing around this that I think would be interesting to kind of dig into in terms of like, how do we realize when we're like, when we are kind of thinking too much about, you know, about the business 
and not actually working like on the business and not working on like getting ourselves past this. So yeah, I know you, you've got some thoughts on it. I've got some thoughts on it that I think I'm gonna let you go first. And I'll try to formalize mine a little bit so I, I'm not too long-winded, but <laughs> what were your thoughts after kind of listening to this episode? And I'm sure you've heard, well, have you heard similar things on other podcasts? And how do you, how do you approach it? How do you think about it? Yeah, I think there are two kind of viewpoints that I have on this. One is kind of the macro level and one's the micro level. So like the macro level, I guess, is the comparison trap or however you want to characterize it, where it's like, I feel like I should be here, but I'm really somewhere below or behind that target. And I have some anxiety or whatever about not being as far along as I want to be. And my general thought to that is basically it's a good reminder to revisit you know, where you're trying to go and why you're trying to get there and just recenter yourself on those things. So if I'm maybe disappointed that my revenue for Castaway is not where I want it to be, or it's behind some, some other podcast production company that's sharing their numbers publicly, like it's really easy for me to try to keep up with the Joneses there, but like my target might not be their target. Like they might be trying to build a $2 million podcast production agency. I'm just trying to build a hundred thousand dollars over the next 12 months on the side of a day job. Those are two very different goals. And so for me to measure myself against them is doing a disservice to myself, right? Because that's not the goal I set out. So there's no reason for me to carry any like negative baggage because that's not the destination that I set for myself. So why would I be annoyed by, by not being at the same place that they are? The other side of that, I guess, is um, I try to remind myself, like, you can't get frustrated with the outcome or the current situation if you're not putting in the effort. So a lot of times I've found that when I'm falling behind, there's something where I've chosen to prioritize another aspect of life over what would get me where I want to be. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? There are chapters of these, like maybe it is a chapter where you have to put family or health first or something like that. And the business is going to take a back seat. And that's a moment in time. And you just happen to be in that moment. So feeling behind is okay, because it's a reflection of reality. And there will come a time when you switch your attention back to the business and you deprioritize some of those other things and then you'll catch up and, and it's probably okay with that. I mean, what I'm always reminded of here is like, I don't know if you've ever seen videos on YouTube or whatever. It's like day in the life of an ER physician or day in the life of a professional athlete. And like, you see how much work those guys and girls are putting in. And it's from the minute you wake up, you're studying, you're heading to the hospital, you're working long shifts, you're seeing patients, you're training with your personal trainer, you're getting your nutrition right. Like that's their life, right? And so unless you're putting in that level of effort to your business, maybe you shouldn't aim so high in terms of outcome because that's how you get there, right? So I try to remind myself that too, is like, if Castaway is not where I want it to be, am I putting in enough effort to get it to that goal? Or have I not really like protected that time? Have I not made that um, my number one priority? And then really quickly on the micro level, this specific example of like, I'll get to marketing someday. I really should be doing marketing. I think that comes from a place, especially in this context where it seems like these two co-hosts are more on the technical side of things. I was just, I took my kids to a swim lesson the other day and one of the other parents was there and his son was four years old and he was really struggling. It was his second lesson. And my son's two and a half and he's doing really well in there. And he's like, you know, asking me how old my son is. And I said two and a half. And, and I was like, you know, you're not gonna wanna hear this, but I think the fact that we got him in so early really helped because the younger kids are, even infants and toddlers, the more open they are to letting somebody else take control and provide for them, right? They're still very much in that like mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa, whoever's around siblings, they care for me and I can give up control of a situation and trust them and know that like they have my best interests in mind. Whereas like by the time you get to four or five years old, you're trying to control the situation. And when you get into water and it's a, it's an environment where 
you don't feel like you have control over your outcome and your safety, it's way more concerning when you're four because of the level of awareness than when you're two or 18 months or whatever the case may be. So I think there's a little bit of that here where it's like, I want to do marketing, but I haven't done marketing. I feel guilty about that. Maybe the reason is because I don't know marketing like I know development or sales or whatever I, I might be proficient in. So it could just purely be, uh, I don't feel like I have control over this situation. So I continuously default back to something I do feel like I have control over and that's building new features or something like that. So I don't know, I think that's a mental hurdle that you either need to accept that you don't have control over the situation that this is gonna be a learning experience and you are going to make mistakes, but you're adding a new skill to your skill set. Or uh, you need to hire an expert to come in and support you there and kind of relinquish control to them and and be at peace with that. So I feel like I've been talking for a while, but what's your reaction to any of that or the original episode in general? I agree with a lot of that, honestly. The one part is the like, if it's not where you like think you want to be, and I don't think any of us actually know what we want our business to be. You know, I've never been one of these people that's like, I never want to grow past 150K a year in revenue, or I never want to grow past like six people like to me. And this just because maybe I'm I'm ambitious, but like, if the business needs more than that, why would I artificially constrain it, right? If the business like needs to be more than that. So I think like not putting artificial constraints on ourselves is is helpful. And I, I, I see a lot of people just being like, well, I don't want to grow too big. I don't want too much, like that kind of thing. And we just don't, none of us knows what too big or too much is. So like in my opinion, let's just throw that out and like just get just get beyond that like hand wringing. I absolutely agree with the with the effort thing. I mean, obviously I've mentioned Hormo- Alex Hormozzi a few times, but there's this one episode on his podcast, The Game. It's it's titled something like Why You're Not Rich or something like that. Get beyond the title and listen to it. And basically he talks about like if you're not getting the results, it's probably because you're not putting in the effort. And he was basically like additional effort will usually get you exponential exponential results. So he was talking about how he did like flyers for like his first gym, right? He hit me on the gym and people were like, Oh, you should do flyers. He's like, cool, I'll give it a shot. And so he did it and he got no results. And then someone that owned like a bunch of gyms later was like, Yeah, you should do flyers. He's like, I tried that, it didn't work. And the guy's like, well, what, what was your sample size? And Alex's like, well, I, I sent out 300. And the guy's like, 300? I don't test for less than 5,000. And Alex was like, wait, what? And the guy's like, yeah, you know, we get like a 1% response rate. Alex is like, oh, that's really low. And the guy's like, no, I've got 30 people a day walking into my gym wanting to talk about memberships. Oh, right. Like sometimes it just takes a lot more effort than we think it will to get those results. And especially at the start, right? I think your point about them being developers and not knowing marketing is very is very true, right? Just like I can design, I can develop, I can write, I can do, I can market, I can do all of that. I'm not a designer, right? So like I don't prioritize design at my companies because I'm not a designer. I've gotten better at it, but now it's like okay, now I'm hiring you know, a credo. Like we hired a like a, a designer to do some work on that side for us there, but. You know, I don't prioritize in some way because I don't know it, but I think we can all, you know, get better at it. And maybe it's also a matter of like expanding what we think, at least like in these guys case or other like more development minded entrepreneurs, two things. One is expanding your definition of what marketing is, right? There's, there's, you know, engineering is marketing, there's content marketing, there's SEO, there's ads, there's podcast sponsorships, podcasts appear, like this is all marketing. So like, instead of saying like, oh yeah, I should do ads, but I don't know ads, I don't like ads. Well, then maybe you shouldn't do ads. Maybe you need to do SEO. Maybe you need to do content. Maybe you need to be on podcasts, like whatever that is. Like these guys doing this podcast, this is marketing for them, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's not that they're not doing marketing. It's that they're talking about doing things that they don't necessarily know or like, or, you know, think is going to be effective for them. So A, try that, answer that question. If it's going to be effective, don't like sit there and, and question whether it is like, 
I mean, you can, but then also try it and see if it's effective or not. I've been surprised by so much over the years about what's effective and what's not. Like, holy crap, that worked. We're like, oh, that was a dud. I just wasted $15,000, even though it's worked for a bunch of other people, right? Yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. But I think also my final thing to say on it is, I think a, I think a lot of us, and this is something I've gotten a lot better at over the years, is like both at, at both Credo and Editor Ninja. You know, I've just come to the realization that like I'm not a I'm not an operations person. I'm not the person to like take a big idea and build SOPs and build the strategy and find the people and get it done. Right? I'm all over the place, man. But there are people out there that that are that way. So. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find the people who are really good at that, asking my friends who have hired this kind of person or who are this way, what should I look for? What should I expect to pay? Like that kind of thing and listening to them and be like, okay, cool. That's what that role is. Let's form that up. How do I work well with them? And really like taking their advice and not like pushing back and like questioning what they said from their experience, that kind of thing. Yeah. Ask clarification questions. Fine. But like basically the, the concept of model then modify. Like if you're running a SaaS, you're running a B2B SaaS focused on developers, talk to other people that run or have run B2B SaaS and focus on developers, find out what works for them and then go and do that, right? Like don't try to recreate yeah. the wheel. So that's my take on it. I guess the original point is how much hand-wringing is, is healthy. And I think it's one of those, I can't remember who the speaker was, but he said, look, it, it was about masculinity, which whatever, it's a polarizing topic, I guess, in the, the role of males these days or whatever. But in that he said, look, take your time. Like when life, when life is not going your way, like complain. If you're upset, cry. But like, you can't just sit there and wallow in it. You have to, you have to move forward. And so I think it's like, what level of hand-wringing is healthy? The amount that that helps you be self-aware and know that like, yes, things aren't where I want them to be, but also take ownership over that and say, maybe that's because I'm either not putting in the effort myself or I haven't found the right person to help me put that effort in. Right. But if I'm not, if the inputs aren't right, then the output's never going to be right. So I would say enough hand wringing to come to that realization that like, yes, things aren't where I want them to be. Yes. It's, it's my fault. But if I want to close that gap, here's what needs to happen. And then, and then you got to keep moving. You got to, you got to move forward and make progress toward that. I think a lot of people think they have to have this big, robust marketing plan or this big, robust product right out of the gate. And you don't have to, you, you just have to start. So you get started and then you get better. And what I always tell myself, again, everything I say on this, this podcast is me talking to the guy in the mirror, right? So I'm taking some of my own medicine. I have the same, I fall into the same traps, but, but I'll look at myself and I'll say, all right, so let's say you, you only invest one hour per week into marketing. If you do that every single week for the next 52 weeks and you don't miss a week, what are the odds that you're not going to be in a better place then than you are now? And it's almost zero, right? You, you're going to be in a better place. So if you can protect that time, you can show up, you can chip away at it. You don't have to be perfect from day one, but consistency and discipline are going to help you get to where you want to be. Accept, accept the situation, worry about it just long enough to be aware of that it's happening and that there's a solution out there and then and then get back and get started and take small steps and work your way up would be my thought yeah there's there's this guy craig ballantyne he's like a entrepreneur like performance coach that he has a saying action alleviates anxiety pressure or stress actually happens when we don't alleviate the pressure right so like take action and then you're not going to build up like all this stress same thing with you know if you're anxious like i, I like that of recognize it own it right Going back to like, you know, Jocko Willings, like principles and such, you know, extreme ownership, like, especially if it's your business, it's your fault if it's not going well. So, you know, own that and then set forth the plan to do it better and then go execute on that plan, right? Don't just sit there and throw your hands up and say like, ah, I guess I'll never know. Like, no, 
you can figure it out, right? You can ask people, you can all, you're, we're also smart. We're all smart, so we can figure it out, right? Anyone listening to this is a, is a professional, so. Agreed. Awesome, man. Well, I guess that'll wrap up the icebreaker conversation. Why don't you jump into the Editor Ninja update? What's new with you since the last time we talked? Yeah, new for me since the last time we talked. So we finished up July. July revenue was 4,200 in MRR, which is great, which is good growth from June. Obviously, still below May, but you know, just continuing to, to push along with marketing, getting some content out there, getting uh, you know, uh, getting people on sales calls, doing a lot more like follow up with people that I talked with in like April, May, June, just because like we're going into summer and people are trying to figure out what's going on with their business and the economy and all that sort of stuff. So I'm seeing people starting to come back and like just keep it on following up, just doing good sales, right? Every month, just kind of paying them, hey, how's it going? Here's some new stuff that you know we rolled out here. You know, it's just like kind of the, the same old like steady state simply because I haven't put as much time into like marketing and such as I was putting at the beginning of the year. So to your point, when I put more effort into it, demos come, you know, sales come like that, that sort of thing. I realized that we crossed 25K in revenue this year, which is cool. So, you know, if we just keep on doing what we're doing, we'll probably hit 50. Obviously, like I'd like to grow it, you know, to 100K ARR, like on that trajectory. So, you know, eight. 8,300 plus a month. We're halfway there, which, you know, is, is progress for sure. You know, so looking back at where I was like six, seven months ago to where we are now, I'm proud, right? And also like want to do, want to do more. So, you know, volumes back up, editors are rocking and rolling. We brought our two new customers in July, starting to formalize our marketing plans, starting to figure out what some other offerings, like how do we create style guides for customers that come in that don't have them, right? Like how can we make it easy for them to create it? And how do we even like use that as upsell, which is just going to make, you know, going to make life easier for everybody, for them with writers, for us with editing, all of that. But there's two things that I've, that I've been working on that I think are, are you know, might be interesting, like quick points of discussion. One is on the sales and marketing front. So I think I talked a while ago, a few weeks ago about like, and you mentioned as well that like, I mean, my my site right now is very quote unquote SEO'd, right? Click, you go over the services drop down, and it's like nine different services. And it's confusing to people because like we do all of those in the subscription, but people are like, well, you know, can I just do copy editing? Can I just do proofreading? And yeah, I can add in the text I need to still about like, this is included in, in you know, every editor ninja subscription. I've started investing that more uh, I think you actually had this idea of building out kind of new top level pages for like our main offerings, right? So like get a single document edited, you know, flat rate subscription, you know, unlimited editing, and then the dedicated editor that I rolled out. So I've worked over the last couple of weeks and I got, I have those pages ready to go. I actually have them published. I sent them to you yesterday. I got feedback from different people, but I was curious, like, I mean, you being a, a conversion guy, you know, being a marketer, like being a decent copywriter. How do you think about how you build copy on these pages? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, if you haven't already done them, some customer interviews, you probably get this from all your sales conversations. I know you've been doing a lot of demos yeah. over there, so you probably have this knowledge already. But to use like an example for what you have, the single document edits, like I'm trying to put myself in the in the mindset, in the, in the shoes of the person who might buy this over a flat rate subscription or a dedicated editor. And it's like, what are their challenges or what are their constraints or what are their dreams and aspirations? Like if I'm somebody who's shopping just for a single document edit, a couple of things that come to mind without knowing your market at all is like, 
maybe I have a quick turnaround. Like maybe I need this document looked at because I have a board meeting on Friday, right? So I might experiment with like a headline that says something like get a get professional editing or professional feedback on that document before that next that big board meeting or that investor update or whatever, right? So I might I might check on something like that. If it's a subscription, I might be like, hey, you have unlimited documents edited for one flat rate. Like maybe the, the value proposition there or the motivator there for me is like predictable expenses and the mm. unlimited nature of it. Or as a dedicated editor, my hero headline might be something around like never touch another blog article again unless it's hitting publish or something like that, right? Like it's the it's mm-hmm. the very last thing you don't have to see. So that's where I would start. That headline is what's what is the purpose of the first line of copy? It's to get somebody to read the second line. And the second line's purpose is to get somebody to read the third line and so on and so forth. And so that's kind of the same way I would approach this is like you need to nail that headline so that somebody can scroll down the page and see the next section. And the next section for me normally would be deliverables or like features or what's included in the package. And so that's where you would talk about maybe with a single document edit, it's maybe it's a 24, 48 hour turnaround. It's an MFA educated editor every time it's whatever, like whatever those, those key value propositions or those promises you're making to the customer are, I think those come next. After that, I would inject some social proof. So there's evidence that like we were able to deliver on all these promises that we just made to you. And then finally, I would get into like a how it works kind of process. So let's say your headline compelled me. I see the deliverables or the features or the promises you're making me. I see some social proof that you're able to deliver on those. Okay, I'm interested. Like, how does this work? Or you submit your document, we assign an editor, you get notified when it's done, you go publish and you enjoy the rest of your day. And then of course you have pricing right under that, another round of social proof and you're, and you're out of there, right? That's kind of my, my yeah. normal structure is like, you need to tell them what it is, you need to tell them what it includes, you need to show some proof that you can deliver on their promise, you need to describe the process if it's a service, and then offer pricing and one last round of social proof just as that reassurance at the point of purchase. And then after that, you're out there. And if you don't have public pricing, then you do the demo or whatever, the sales call, but that's kind of my, my boilerplate approach to it. And I tailor that based on the specific product or, or whatever needs to happen from there. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome process. What it is, what it includes, so features, that kind of thing, social proof, so someone talking about it, testimonial, whatever, process, which you, which you can not fake, you should never put like, you know, fake ones on there, but you could use like, you know, I've, I've used, you know, James Clear has a great like quote about editing. And so like, I've used that, you know, but then I also have testimonials from some customers and, you know, and that sort of thing. And then what, what's the process? How does it work? Pricing. And then one last round of social proof um, to, to kind of get people to commit. Yeah, totally makes sense. It, it's funny, man, with the building out these pages, I like, I built them out kind of following a template and even like drew them out like on my iPad and kind of like hear the elements. And I just felt myself putting like a ton of stuff into it. Like, you yeah. know, I'm like, oh, I have a two column thing here. Like, and I don't, I don't know what to put in this like second column. So I'm just gonna throw some FAQs in there. And I'm like, and it, I just started scrolling through. I'm like, this looks so busy. There's just so much stuff here. So yeah, I've really been trying to like challenge myself to simplify it as well. And so getting out of just like, what are these like six points here? What should be copy? What should be an image, right? How do we visually show, like, I don't need to just describe the whole like editing process or like what they're going to get and how it looks and whatever. I should show them a screenshot, right? So I'm actually showing like, here's a doc that like, here's this like paragraph in this doc. Here it is with all the edits made. And here's what you get back. All those edits gone, they're all made. And, but there's like one comment from an editor there that I should take a look at, right? Which is going to improve it. I don't have to, it's optional right to like do anything with it i could just take it and publish it but you know they're, they're giving me feedback on how i could improve you know so it's a bit consultative one thing i've been realizing is like 
I've always been a builder that I'm like, I'm going to build it first and then kind of feel how it looks afterwards. And I'm trying to flip that and be like, all right, what's the framework that I should follow here? What's the like narrative that I should follow here? And then just go and build that because I'm going to get to the solution a lot faster, but a lot, <laughs> a lot better, honestly, like everything's going to come out better. So yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm the same way. I try to like, I want it to be live really fast. And so like, I yeah. try to build the page. I'm like, I'll just write some copy to fit into each section. But like when I'm really disciplined about it and I, and I do things the right way, I actually start with a mm-hmm. Google doc and I write, I write all the copy out first. And then, and, and yeah. I'm just, that frees me up from all the constraints of like, is it going to look pretty or whatever? I just get that clear. And I've even sold off of Google docs. Like I've sold $1,500 packages just off of a Google doc. And I'm like, here's, here's it. the value prop. Here's the summary. Here are the deliverables. Here's the pricing. Yeah. I can introduce you to three people that I've done this for before and they'll vouch for me, whatever. And then once I get yeah. enough feedback on that, then I take it over and I start working with a designer to, to lay it out and make it look pretty. So the, you know, the one thing I think could be killer for these pages as I look through them here is like an explainer video. And I know on the on the subscription one, on the flat rate editing, mm-hmm. you have one of you. But on the single document one, I'm thinking like almost like a like you would see on a product hunt launch page for a software tool. Like what if you just popped up and you said, hey, I'm John, founder of Editor Ninja here. If you've got 60 seconds, I'm going to go ahead and get this actual document edited and I'll show you every step along the way. And then it like flashes over to a screen share mm-hmm. and you're opening up the Editor Ninja admin dashboard. You're like, okay, I'm going to create a new project. I'm going to title this whatever landing page copy. I'm going to go ahead and submit that, right? And then boom, oh, here's a notification. I just got assigned to Sarah, who's my editor. And it looks like she's going to turn this around in 24 hours. So I'll catch up with you then. And then you do a quick transition. You cut away and you pretend like 24 hours has passed. Like, hey, I just got an email that my document's ready. So let's hop in here and take a look. Oh, look, Sarah left 48 comments on here. This is a, gr- a ton of great feedback. I'm going to go ahead and tackle these and then I can push this page live. And, you know, that's the editor ninja experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it, it would take it would take a video editor. And I don't know if you have the budget or the interest to do it. But something like that, I think it w- could go a long way in the hero section right next to that headline. So the headline's like, you got yeah. an important document with a quick turnaround, like this is the package for you. And here's a video of exactly how it works. It takes two minutes or less to watch. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I need this document edited quickly, so I'm going to upload it here. Okay. I'm, you know, boom, I'm going to check out. Here's how the, here's how the sausage gets made on the back end. Here's, here's exactly what happens, right? Go, we assign the editor day later, this, it's coming back like this. And then, you know, the email and then here's the email with the, you know, with the doc you know, edited and, and ready to go. Yeah, that's, I like that. I like that. That's a good, that's a really, yeah, the, the kind of like the, the how to's are just showing kind of like how it's done. Um, like we're not, we're not teaching people how to go and edit, right? So this isn't a, this isn't a how to edit your own right. document in under a day, right? This is a like, th- this is how you get your document edited in under a day, kind of quick, quick explainer. So cool. Yeah, that's, that's really useful, man. Thank you. I'll take that and take action on that. And then, and then the second thing, and then I want to hear what's going on at Castaway. So everything I'm realizing is like, and I kind of mentioned this at the start is talking about like operating and like operating a business and realizing that, you know, with this business, like it's, it's a lot of operations, right? I mean, there's the, we, I can build the product to like make it easy to, you know, review stuff and, and send it back and send documents back and people to upload their documents, upload their brand documents and that kind of thing. And, you know, building a product of getting developers and that kind of thing is like, that that's easy for me. But what I'm realizing is like, you know, I lose interest in services and businesses when I have to do a lot of like day-to-day and like performance management of editors and like that kind of thing. And, and both at like Editor Ninja and at Credo. And I'm realizing that like at both, I need an operator. I need someone, 
you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a chief of staff or just like a head of operations or something like that. And maybe it's a fractional person, but someone to like take my ideas or just like, hey, these are the big problems that need to be solved. And then they go, they go and solve it. Right. As opposed to me having to like jump in and, you know, recruit new people or something like that. Right. I can say like, all right. Here's what I'm doing on sales and marketing. I've got these 10 people in the in the pipeline. Four of them are probably going to convert. And it means we're going to need like, you know, 200,000 extra words of capacity above what we currently have. And they're like, cool, got it. And they go and they, you know, they recruit the editors and, you know, do, do all of that. They, you know, they get them on board. And like, I don't then have to take my focus off of sales and marketing and that kind of thing to interview editors and onboard them and set them up in Gusto and all that. They're just, that's just taken care of, right? Which then buys me focus to do the things that I'm best at, sales, marketing, you know, running the business, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So it's just been a realization that I've had recently. Lemma, Chris Lemma, you know, mentioned it to me recently on the Credo side. And I'm just realizing it also, it also needs to happen on the Editor Ninja side. And I think it's going to happen. I was talking about this with my wife last night, who's a, for people listening that don't know, my wife's a, she's a Yale MBA and just like wicked smart. And I was like, I think I'm just gonna have to, I think I'm gonna have to hire at Editor Ninja this role earlier than I'm comfortable with. Like this mm-hmm. is actually a role that I need to prioritize. Just someone, even if it's like 10 hours a week, right? But I think it's a role that like it's a role that I didn't hire soon enough, that I haven't hired soon enough at Credo, that I need to hire earlier at Editor Ninja. Cause I think that is going to unlock like a certain level of like scale or just like ability to scale because then I will be like entrepreneurs don't grow. We don't grow our businesses into future pain. Right. And I know like, all right, I sell more people. That means I have to find more editors. I need to manage more editors. I need to manage that performance, like that kind of thing. I need to find someone that, that loves doing that stuff so that I don't have to do it. And they can be kind of like my right, my right hand on that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have any yeah. like thoughts on, on that, but. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think in an ideal world, like in a perfect scenario, what you do is you have somebody in the delivery environment elevated to more of a team manager, a team leader, an operations manager, whatever. That's a perfect world because they already know the other side of the coin. They already know what the experience is like from the other side of the seat where you're receiving the assignments. And so they're just moving up into somebody who's managing the the assignments and making sure everything keeps moving. I do think like that would take some time and that would be something you would do when the business is more mature and you have an editor that's really like stood out, whether they're super organized or they've shown some natural leadership tendencies or something like that. But in the absence of that, the next best thing I think I would do is I'd be going to LinkedIn. If you have Sales Navigator or whatever, you go there and search for the PMP certification, the project management professional. And I'd try to find somebody who's like a project manager inside of a big company. And I would just be like, hey, how would you like a 40 hour a month contract to come in and be like the operations lead for this and and basically just keep everything moving smoothly? Because they're already doing that during their day job. Or maybe you'll find somebody like the real stroke of luck would be like somebody with a PMP certification that has an employment gap and is like a stay at home mom or something now or, or is staying home to raise kids for a while and wants to go back to the workforce like can i keep you engaged in some way can you still do project management very part-time very flexible totally asynchronous while you're raising these kids and then when you want to go back into the workforce like you don't have such a big employment gap something like that i think could be could be interesting and then there's a a va service that specializes in spouses of deployed uh, military members and it's called square it's called squared away i i don't know i mean it's worth maybe doing a demo with them spouses tend to be i can say this because i have a military spouse or at least i used to be in the military and like they're just exposed to a lot of organizational efficiency and processes Mm -hmm. and regulations and things like that. And they kind of think 
in that mindset, irrespective of their professional experiences, right? Like just their lifestyle is their spouses are exposed to so much of that, that they inevitably bring it home. So if, if the project management thing doesn't work out or elevating a team member doesn't work out, if, I, if you were going to go explore the VA route and try to see if you could find a VA that can do this, I would start with squared away because I just think that 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 culture in the military members and the military spouses lends itself to having somebody who would do well in a role like this. Yeah, that's really that's really smart. Yeah, I mean, starting off looking for someone who is likely just doing that in their life anyways. That they're, they're just they just have to be super organized, right? Or maybe they have a ton of kids and like you know they have to bring all those schedules together and that kind of thing. And they're just used to you know kind of managing all of that. I was actually talking with a, like a, a marketing operations person yesterday, and they were telling me they were like. A lot of they, they know marketing, but they they were basically saying they're like a lot of my job is project management. It's just like are the right people working on the right things? Do they know what they need to work on? Do we know what's needed to launch the campaign and like that sort of stuff? And that made me realize I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe this is just more of a project manager like role. <laughs> like I talk to them, I tell yeah. them where we're going, I tell them what we need to work on, and then they go and they figure it out and they fill the SOPs and they tell me like, hey, we need something to do this, we need something to do this, and. You know, and I point them in the right direction. They go and they do it. That might be a lot more what it is. Just like a little bit more planning, a little bit more like formalized. And then, yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. That's really smart. Well, and by the way, if you can give somebody who currently holds a title of project manager, a title like chief of staff or operations manager or head of operations, you can give them a, a, a pseudo promotion with that title, but also the autonomy and stuff that comes along with that. That looks fairly attractive too, as, as they build their resume and if they want to progress in their career at their current organization or whatever, they could say, well, look, I've been punching above my weight class already over here with Editor Ninja. So I don't know, you might have some leverage there. Yeah, yeah. I, I scaled Editor Ninja from five to 50 editors and you know all of this stuff. Like, yeah, that's that's meaningful. That's cool. So enough, enough about yeah. Editor Ninja and me. What's that? What's going on with Castaway? Give us the, the quick goods. Cool. Yeah. Not much of an update from the operational side of the house. Castaway has been very much in maintenance mode, I guess, which is why our icebreaker was a little timely for me because I have been feeling a little bit of that like, man, I wish I was farther along in the process or I wish I was mm-hmm. closer to that 100K revenue goal. But frankly, I haven't been putting the time in. I, we've been doing a big launch at my day job and I've kind of been given more of my nights and weekends to making that happen than I have to Castaway. So I've been making sure that all the client assets get delivered on time. Like we're not missing any deadlines. We're not missing work quality, but I just haven't done anything on the sales and marketing front to try to fill the pipeline, replace churn and grow the revenue. So I, I've been trying to make my peace with that. I know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with James Clear's four burners theory, but I wrote it down here as like, you've got, you've got mm. four burners on a stove, you've got family, friends, health and work. And I think he says you can cut off one and be successful. If you want to be really successful, you got to cut off. I'm Sometimes I feel like a side project is, is burner number five. So it's like you have, it's even harder to figure out which ones to cut. I do think you can have it all, but you, burners don't work in a purely binary way, like on and off, right? You, you ramp up that flame. There's like a low flame and a high flame. And so I think you can dial things in and still have most of what you want, but it does feel like right now is a period where that side project flame is dialed down a little lower and, you know, work and family are still high up there. And, you know, I'm really, I'm still re- doing really well on, you know, personal fitness and, and eating right and stuff like that. And so I feel great about that. I don't really want to cut back on that. So it does feel like being in a position right now where, kind of like we talked about at the at the onset of this conversation it's like if i do still want to hit those goals if those original goals are still right for me and i haven't been putting in the effort 
recently to get there, what needs to change? And, I, and it does kind of feel like there needs to be a bet made of you're just going to give up more time. And, and this is a chapter of life where you're staying up later to work or you're getting up earlier to work and put in more effort on Castaway because you want to have a good day job and a family and a health practice and you want to have it all. Well, you got to you got to put in more effort to have it all or taking the leap of faith and, and investing some money out of pocket to hire against that or to do marketing things that don't require my time, but can still drive leads like ads or sponsorships or something like that. So it does feel like a bet needs to be made in some capacity. Either I need to invest more of my time to make it happen, or I need to invest more of my money to get other people or other channels to try to make it happen for me. So yeah, mm -hmm. I guess I'll pause there. That's kind of the the update operationally is like where my mindset's at around Castaway. Yeah, no, I think that I think that makes sense. And yeah, going back to what we start, talked about at the start, picking the one that you want to do for now, is it put more time into it? Like I've been putting in a lot of like 8 to 10 p.m. evenings, like after a full day. And then I, you know, basically five to eight till whenever my kid goes to bed is like, that's family time. That's like daughter and wife time and dinner and all that. And then after that, it's like, you know, I can sit on the couch. I can watch, you know, Better Call Saul with my wife or I can, you know, do a bit of work. And usually I do a little bit of both. I'll like grab a whiskey, work on, work on like some landing pages for Under Ninja for an hour. And then go sit and watch an episode and still be in bed by 10, you know, but it's, it's really like make that decision. Right. And I know with you, it's, it's, you know, it's always, how, how do I fund that? Like, what, you know, if it's going to be the money side, what do I carve off? Right. It might be interesting to do just a full, like, how do you run a business like from the finance side and like create budgets and that kind of thing that might be interesting. Yeah. You know, how do you say, like, say, okay, I've got three grand that I carved off. And so like, I'm going to commit to, you know, spending that over the next two months on this role. And basically within two months, they need to be adding $3,000 in MRR, something like that, you know, or just bought back your, bought back $3,000 of your time so you could do other things, you know? But yeah, that's, uh, I'll be interested to hear kind of where you settle out. What do you think you're going to, have you decided which one you're going to do? Time, people, both? Well, I think that's a good segue because the one thing that I kind of wanted to get your feedback on today for sure is I've had a couple of opportunities to do kind of fractional chief marketing officer type of work lately. Totally organic, not prompted. Haven't even really put myself out there, although it's ironic because that is something I've explored is like, you know, I'm 34 now, like when I'm 37, 38, 39, that might be a career transition at some point a few years from now is like going into this fractional CMO consulting and advisory kind of place. And these are people that I've had, you know, past employment situations with, and they came out and they're, they're like, look, we can't hire somebody full time, but we need help with strategy. We need to put a team together. We need somebody mm -hmm. to manage and allocate the budget. You seem like you've got a lot of those skills now. So How'd you feel about this? And so if I were to be my own coach, my inner voice is saying, this is a distraction. If you want to do castaway, don't do this. This is a total departure and it's just shiny object. And you're already kind of feeling behind. So like, this is only going to make it worse. But then, you know, mm -hmm. the angel on the other side, the other shoulder is saying, but you probably get pretty pay paid pretty well for this work because it's high level strategic thinking and it's consulting and advisory. So like, what if you just did it for 30 to 60 days? What if you did some like eight to 12 week sprint with them and you get paid well for it. And then you take all of that capital because you don't need it because you have a full-time job that supports your family and everything else you want to do. So take all that capital and put it in the bank account. And that's effectively seed funding for Castaway for the foreseeable future. And so I don't know. I mean, I know you probably don't have this answer. I don't know if you faced a similar scenario, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And this has literally happened in since we're recording on a Thursday, like it happened Monday. So it's like, I'm, I'm processing this and feeling like, well, do I have to make a bet of time or money? Or do I do I sustain maintenance mode for the next month or two, do these advisory stints, and then take all the revenue from that, use it as seed funding, 
and we're off to the races in the back half of the year, basically. Yeah, I think that decision, I would say just from like what you explained here, if you decide that you want to, you know, make a make a money bet, then doing this to fund it would be very smart. If you want to make a time bet, then doing this like investing your time is going to take a little bit longer to see results than investing money. But if you start investing your time now, right? Say you do 60 days of this like fractional CMO stuff and you get 10K in the bank. You should get more than that for being a fractional CMO, by the way. But you get, you know, 10K in the bank, let's just make the numbers easy. So that takes us into October. So you start in October finding a person to make these bets on. They're not up and going until early, no, early to mid-November, right? And then we get into the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could do that, but can you put in 10K, 20K worth of time before then that's going to get you, you know, to that to that goal faster, if not, you know, at the same time. And you're and you're more focused and you learn more because you're just doing more action on the business. So I think it comes down to like which one, you know, you want to invest in. Like where, where do you want to put your time? Because you do have a finite like amount of time. And so the decision about whether you take on these gigs, it's dual. It's one is you're making the money bet, but then also do you know if you would be if you're interested in doing more like fractional CMO stuff on the side of your day job, right? So like you want to answer that question. Maybe take on some fraction CMO stuff just to answer it. And then you're going to know like, okay, I do want to do more of this. So maybe actually I'm just going to do more of this and not as much castaway. Or actually I didn't really enjoy that. <laughs> so now I know and now I feel really good about just focusing on castaway. I'm not wondering if I want to do this thing, right? Actually it's anxiety and, and often we figure out what we really want. You know, whether it's we, me and my wife, we go to the cabin for the summer. Realize we don't want that. We don't want to live up here full time. Great. Now we know. Now I feel great about finding a bigger house in Denver. You know, I'm like looking for a new car and I've test driven a bunch of really nice vehicles. And some of them I'm like, yes, that one's awesome. And others I'm like, actually, I don't want that. Right. So like eliminate that one. So I think like mm-hmm. by taking this action, you know, we can, we can kind of answer some of those question marks in our minds and then move forward a lot more, whatever, with a lot more confidence. So I don't know. I don't know. It's not, not an easy decision, but I think it can start with that. Like, do you want to invest your time or do you want to invest your money? If money, they get the money. If time, don't put your time somewhere else, put your time into Castaway. Yeah, I think your point about time to productivity is really astute. Like, I, I hadn't really considered the fact that like, yeah, sure, you earn this money, but by the time you deploy the money, you're going to be out near the end of the year. And do you really want to wait that long to to have this make an impact? I guess option C, as I kind of brainstorm with you here live, is like, well, maybe you make the money bet out of pocket up front so go ahead and use that. Hire a VA to do sales outreach or something like that or pay for some ads or whatever you're going to do with it. Like put 5K up up front out of pocket and then do the fractional CMO work to recoup that investment. And you already got yeah. somebody off and running deploying that capital in some way at the same time. Maybe that's the right answer. You kind of check all the boxes there. And maybe I'll think about something offline that, that'll ruin that assumption. But it's like, yeah, why don't you just yeah. write a check for 5K to Castaway, deploy that in whatever way you think seems reasonable. That's running yep. in parallel. Somebody's owning that. Meanwhile, you're doing fractional CMO to recoup that investment. And um, you also get to test out this fractional CMO arrangement to see if that's something you want to do long term. Like kind of feels like you get to have your cake and eat it too in that scenario. But I'm probably overlooking something. Maybe a listener will set me straight. Yeah, I I would just say the only only thing about that is like once you start plugging people in like this, then you kind of you keep that cost, right? Unless it's someone to like build out SOPs for delivery or something like that, right? Like that, that can be like a constrained project. Otherwise, it's like, okay, I hired this person at 2,500 a month. Now I have to keep paying them at 2500 a month. So I have to keep doing this fractional CMO mm-hmm. stuff just to keep paying this person. I don't know. Not, not a great situation to be in. Robbing Peter to pay all, but it's still like you're still continually taking on your time 
right? And then maybe you hit a point where like, you don't have for actual team of work. You can't keep paying this person because revenue hasn't grown. You know, it could, could work out like that. So I don't know, all, all viable options, right? Pros and cons, all of it. Right. But, but I would say also like coming out of summer, the next couple of months is when the getting is good B2B. So, you know, right. better to take action, I would say, than, you know, kind of sitting and waiting to take action. But that's mm -hmm. how I do it. Awesome, man. Maybe we'll bring it in for a landing there and we'll wrap things up. As usual, show notes, anything we talked about today can be referenced at workingsessions.fm. And we do have the AMA link in there, primary navigation there, ask a question. So you can submit something if you want us to tackle it on the show. Maybe it's an icebreaker, maybe it's a standalone episode. Maybe we'll do a, a bonus episode for a, mail, for a mailbag or something like that. So yeah, John, thanks again for your time as always, man, your mentorship. I really appreciate it. And I uh, will look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you, Jinx. Likewise. Talk to you later.